Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Feeling somewhat muted. You're feeling muted? Yeah. Just, you know, a little reserved. You're feeling a little bit low ebb. <laughs> Midnight storm. <sighs> You're listening to Daddy-O Records. I'm, I'm sitting here reading the lyrics to Della Soul's hit song, The Magic Number. Mm. I think that's uh, out of print now. I don't know if you can even what? buy that. Who? Well, what? Didn't they have a giant problem with clearing their samples? I'm going to check this. Oh, is that? But, oh. I, 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 bl- I blame Gilbert O'Sullivan. See, that's an example of a, a clear situation where sampling produced a masterwork mm-hmm. and all should kneel. I stand, I stand corrected. You can buy it. I just remember there was a time where it was, uh, was kind of hard to get. Yeah. Huh. Huh. You, but that's you, a hell of a record. That was, a, that was an amazing summer. You want to think about this for a second? That was 24 years ago. Ugh. 24 years ago. Della Soul's Three Feet High and Rising. 24 years, the 24th anniversary of Abbey Road was September of 1993. I was playing this game tonight with my wife. Um, it's a terrible game. It's a, it's a horrible game. I, it's the worst. It's a game I've been playing for years, <laughs> and I wish I had a name for it, but I had a little uh, genius mix on, and... Um, uh, if I Can't Change Your Mind by Bob Mould came up. Mm. And I was like, this song is 20 years old or more. That's about 20 years old, which mm. means that at that time, a 20-year-old song came out in 1973. Mm-hmm. This will mean nothing to the younger listeners. That's right. But it's harrowing. It's harrowing to me. It's harrowing. And particularly, I was thinking about this the other day. In 1986, The it is not just that we were younger, uh, and that time is longer for young people because in 1986, clearly we had we had gone through, we had transitioned through a thousand years in the culture <laughs> from 1966, right? That that 20 year period from 66 to 86, we had experienced the metamorphosis of a thousand years of human consciousness. 66, we had not been to the moon. 66. We were still we were still wearing white go-go boots for the love of God, and not even ironically. <laughs> and by 1986, we had been through we had uh, you know we had been through a doo-wop revival. We had been through AM radio songwriting. We had we had experienced punk rock, disco, anti-disco, anti-punk, new wave, anti-new wave, po- post-anti-disco punk. Post anti new wave disco punk, <laughs> we had had then another doo wop revival, <laughs> right? There, there were there were three rockabilly revivals between 1966 and 1986, <laughs> and you know, in, in the same twenty year span, 2013 to 1993, I I challenge you to think of a single thing that's happened. I think it's a I think it's a problematic heuristic of of, of our age. Yeah. Okay. Here's one. This is this is regarded by some as such a classic that it's a cliche. But uh, Greece, which had been a Broadway, I guess a Broadway show. Greece mo- is the word. It is the word. It's the word you've been hearing. It's that move. It's got feeling, mm-hmm. time, space, and the motion. Arr. Frankie Frankie Valley sang that. Is that right? Not in That's falsetto. Got a lot not, of soul. Not in falsetto. 
Wow, that's, that's what threw you off. Breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Grease, uh, the movie that I think people are most familiar with more than the show, Grease came out in 1978, which means that the nostalgia in Grease was 20 years old, and the Grease movie is now 35 years old. Mm-hmm. So I just had I'm, a I just right. had my first bowel movement in a month while you were thinking. <laughs> I am I am so nostalgic <laughs> for the original nostalgia that I felt for a thing that I was not alive for. There's so many layers of nostalgia between me and <laughs> anything that was that 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 I like. Right. I'm th- I'm thinking about this in 1940 when my dad went down to the Showbox Theater to see Benny Goodman and his orchestra. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. What year was that? 1940. Oh, my God. Can you imagine seeing, like, Sing, Sing, Sing live? That was was the punk rock of of swing. And people are flying through the air. They're dancing so that they're they're causing the, the sprung dance floor to bounce. People are... People are flying through the air. And my dad is, you know, with, basically with his teeth on the stage watching this band and thinking to himself, this is all I want to do with my life. I don't want to, I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to go into real estate or business or government. I want to go with this. I want to go with this band. And uh, he, there was no aspect of nostalgia in that music mm-hmm. it for its time it was a hundred percent original with no antecedents you know it was not it was not aping well any antecedent it had was like two years old it wasn't I mean, it guess, wasn't like it was it wasn't like a throwback a direct like quote of ragtime or something it was something really new yeah and i guess they i guess every once in a while they would they would tag ragtime yeah, like p- play would, a little pavement riff or something. Yeah, they dri- they they drop it in, but I mean, they were they were blowing people's minds with this music, and I'm thinking now, like everything I've ever loved has been filtered through at least one cheesecloth <laughs> of nostalgia, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, there was no not even new. Uh, there was nothing about new wave. Once you stripped the clothes off of them, which I tried to do at every opportunity. There was nothing about New Wave that hadn't been... Well, if you, if you turn, if you're down the Farfisa, it's like a fast kink song a lot of the time. Right. Or, you know, or, again, any, any one of a number of Beatles songs right. presaged the whole idea. I don't know. I'm just sitting here... I'm just sitting here in my nostalgia pod. <laughs> my, my, my nostalgia escape pod. I'm looking around the room and I can't, I cannot think of a single thing here that either isn't actually a, a, a thing from the sixties or seventies or, or a, a modern thing that has been made to look like it's from the sixties or seventies. It's true. It, except for my Apple products. Mm. They're, the, they're the only modern thing in this whole, in basically in my whole house. And you're not that happy with them. Well, you know, they just, they, they don't do it. You know what this is? It's like, <laughs> I don't know how to explain this to you, but it's kind of like the days of the Wright brothers. It's like, we're using bicycles mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. power airplanes. Mm-hmm. That's like you know, where we, that's where we are right now. If this, if, if this Apple product I have nostalgia had, for the early days of our show. If it had been made, <laughs> if this, if this Mac thing had been made to look like an Apple IIe, mm. I think I would be very satisfied with it. Hmm. 
I think I would be like, oh, look at this. It's so quaint and quirky. Our friend uh, Mr. Hodgman was on Mark Maron's podcast a while back, and there was a wonderful quote. I, I don't I don't understand how you come up with something like this without writing it, but I think it was John. It might have been Mark Maron, but some, one of them said, uh, nostalgia used to be better. <laughs> but the sad part is I instantly understood you know, what they meant. Oh, you, you guys don't understand. You don't know from nostalgia. Yeah, nostalgia. Jesus. I remember when, uh, when Grease came out, I was, I was kind of torn because – I had had uh, a kind of a split allegiance among the two cool guys on TV that I followed closely. The Fonz and, and yeah, Barbarino. Oh, and Barbarino, right? Yeah, but then Barbarino was in, um, you know, was in Greece. <clears throat> so, like the the way that I found common ground was to go into the bathroom and take a giant scoop of Vaseline petroleum jelly uh-huh. that you have that you guys had in your house. My mom's a liberal woman. I see. Actually, no part of that is accurate. And uh, boy, I don't know if you ever put Vaseline in your hair. I never did. It's, it's, it seems so straightforward. You got some. Doesn't it look like when you look at Fonzie, you think he's probably got Vaseline in his hair, right? Yeah, he's putting he's putting uh, uh, greasy kid stuff. Let me ask you: of all the things in your all the things, go back in your mind. Imagine a young John Roderick going through your home right now, mm-hmm. and you had to create Fonzie hair. Of all the things, don't you think that's in like the point five percent of things that would make you look like you had Fonzie hair? Well, you would think that, except that, you know, my parents were a little bit older. Oh, so you knew about, like, Brill Cream or Greasy Kid stuff. Yeah. So I actually went to my mom and said, how do you get your hair to do that? And she said, oh. Shouldn't you be studying? <laughs> she did. She did say that. But then she <laughs> said, oh, what you want is a Vitalis. And so we, I went to the drugstore, Long's Drugs in Anchorage, Alaska. And there in the men's grooming section, in the, in the section, you know, past the Drakkar Noir, down where the, where like only old men shopped, where you could buy a, still buy a straight razor, um, there was Vitalis. You could buy it. And I bought a bottle of it, which I still have. I don't think they go bad. I, they don't. Like today I still you go out and buy, you ever bought, yeah, I know you're not a big bottle of water fan, but it's got an expiration date on it. Yeah, I don't think course. Vitalis has ever had an expiration date. No, and I still have the exact bottle of Vitalis I bought in 1983. It is, it do, there's not a lot of Vitalis left in it, but I still use it. Every once in a while, I'll put a little sprinkle of Vitalis in my hair. And the, and the, the, the fact is that my mom was wrong. That's not how you get fun. It's, it's, it's like, it's almost like Hanukkah. Yeah, it's, it's, how, well, how is there still Vitalis in there? That's right. It's a, it's a miracle. But this Vitalis, it, it, it's how you get Benny Goodman hair. It's not how you get Fonzie hair. Well, he's a good looking guy. But my mom was in, but she was one of those in between generations. She was that thing, you know, she was 20 in the early 50s. So she still was slicking her hair down in the old fashioned way. Anyway, <laughs> I still have this Vitalis. Wow. So, so you put Vaseline in your hair. Yeah. It's, you know, and, you and it's, I, some, there's things I've noticed about myself over the years. One thing I've noticed in the last five to 10 years is occasionally I'll use a little bit of hair product, you know, like if I want to like achieve a certain look. And I've noticed that when I'm nervous, I use a little more than I should. Yeah, right. You know, like, you know, like some people talk more than they should when they're nervous. I use, I use more hair product than I should. And that was, wow. You know, like you, you cut your own hair and you know, the problem of like, I'm just going to like even these sides up. 
Yeah. And then pretty soon you look like you're about to be put in the, you know, electric chair. Yeah. And uh, that happened to me. And so I put in, you know, what seemed like, uh, I remember hearing that phrase, that brokering phrase, a little dab will do you. I did not have a standard for what a dab was, but I thought it's probably applicable to this obviously (laughs) efficable uh, Vaseline. And then I needed more because I wasn't getting the effect I wanted. And pretty soon I basically put lots of oil like literal oil in my hair, and it, and it it melts once it's in your hair. Like it, yeah, once it once it gets you know to the ninety eight point six, it gets real comfortable. Yeah, it starts <laughs> to run down the back of your neck. So it was more of I don't I I, I can't. In my head right now, I can't imagine what Ed Gein's hair looked like, but <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're going, if somebody just knew enough about Ed Gein, you would use yeah. Vaseline. And then my mom was really really unhappy with me. And yeah. so I went in there and I, and I washed my hair and I washed my hair again. And, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the axiom that oil and water don't mix, <laughs> but the, my hair said, fuck you to the shower for four days. Right. At least four right. days. I, I looked, I looked so bad. I looked like, you know, like Larry Daryl and Daryl. I mean, it looked really, really bad. Yeah. And I'm sure you, you smelled like a, like a refinery or you smelled like some, like West Texas. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I looked, I look, I, I smelled like a dildo and looked like a serial killer. Hmm. It was miserable, but yeah. I didn't do that again. I learned more about stuff later, but I mean, this is an ongoing problem for me. It takes I, a long time. Well, I've said before, I, I've, my whole life, especially as a, a, an adult, a young adult, an older adult, I always feel like I've somehow not gotten the manual. Like yeah. if there was just like, I said this to my wife the other day, I always feel like somebody got like a three-page printout. But what, what happened right. was we were watching that House of Cards thing on Netflix, and we accidentally skipped over a very important episode. And right. when the next thing one came on, we were like... What happened? So what do you do? You doubt yourself and you say, oh, I'm stupid because I can't figure this out. Obviously, I wasn't paying attention. I was playing with my iPad. I just need to watch this more closely. And then two nights later, Matt's (laughs) like, well, you know, we missed an incredibly important episode. And that's how I feel. I feel like there was a three-page handout that would have made everything like 75% better for me. Well, that's why we're doing this podcast. I feel like it is the three-page handout for the next generation. But, uh, but you know, the, my problem with Grease the, was, uh, the movie, okay. was that I had a younger sister who was actually more culturally aware and more of a media consumer than I was, even at the age of 10. She was 8 and I was 10. Your sister seems hip. Oh, she was very hip. Like, like, like she, she could get the things that you might try to dissect with a chart. Like, right. she could just grok that. She got them instantly. So... So I wanted to be, as a 10-year-old, I wanted to be absorbed into the Grease universe. <laughs> and I wanted to drive a hot rod car that had a plexiglass, uh, you know, bonnet. And, and it might, in, in the fullness of time, fly into the sky. <laughs> it might fly into the sky. I definitely, definitely uh, understood the appeal of being a rocker girl. But I also understood the appeal of being a, uh, a good girl. I mean, these were some of my models. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure whether I wanted to be a good girl or a, or a rocker girl. But, <laughs> but, um, but then my sister was like seriously, seriously, heavily into Greece. And I, I felt an obligation as her older brother to be dismissive of it. It was like the girl version of Frampton, Frampton Comes Alive. Like every girl I knew had a copy of that soundtrack. Every girl. Yeah. And my sister, you know, had it memorized and she watched, she watched the movie 25 times and she learned whatever bad thing you're supposed to learn uh, about, uh, about being a Barbie doll or, or whatever, whatever it is that people are mad at Greece for. But, but, uh, but I wanted to enjoy Greece. I wanted to be an innocent 10 year old boy 
who loses his innocence to, I mean, you know, honestly, I was, I was more in love with Frenchie. Mm, that's Frenchie uh, the was Stucker Channing character. Oh, well, no, no, no Fre- that's the guy Fre- from Taxi. Frenchie? That's the guy from Taxi. No, Fre- <laughs> am I thinking of no. which one's Kanicki? Frenchie was the girl who wanted to be a, she was the beauty school dropout. Oh, right. right the girl with the nose. Yeah. <gasps> Bingo. Oh, she so she was a little her. hebraic. She was, she was so, she was so dewy and so sweet. <laughs> so cute. And, um, I, you know, and I didn't understand why she wasn't the, why she wasn't the sex object of the film. Cause Olivia Newton, John, she's fine. She's cute, but she's a little plain. Compared to the exoticism. And everybody in the movie is obviously at least 30 in retrospect. Well, yeah. I mean, Stockard Stockard Channing Stockard looked Channing like some... 45. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but Stockard Channing was foxy, too. I mean, oh, I mean, of all the girls to... She had to, a TV show after so, that, and I was attracted to her. Yeah. She was hot. She's puckish. Puckish is right. Mm. Although, I, thought, I felt her character on the West Wing was... I thought she was... Not supportive enough of the president. Hmm. Well, you know, that's your job. When you're working for the president, you should be extremely supportive. Yeah, particularly if you're his wife. And I mean, I understand that she's a she's a female empowerment figure. But mm. come on, mm-hmm. get behind the man. Mm-hmm. He's the president. He is the president. Um, I my file card on Greece. It's real straightforward. It Thank came you. out, I think, in 1978, and I just have such a clear recollection of this one family at our church had gone and brought their child to it and they walked out of it they marched out of there in complete and utter outrage in like the first however many minutes like what happens in the first minutes it doesn't matter like everything dancing well i think there's smoking and sass mouth and like all of the things (laughs) like Mm -hmm. if this is what happens at the beginning of a pg movie you know you're putting your hands over the kid's ears and you know out of here. Leave the popcorn. Take the cannoli. Right. Let's get out of here. Yeah. And uh, that was the thing is, that was the word that you heard with groove and feeling was that right. Greece was not where people at White Oak Christian Church should be spending their time with their children. And oh, it, it was dirty. It was bad. It, it might as well, you know, it was like the Holocaust or something. People was, were dry humping. People were, were mm, finger banging. Mm. Yeah, finger banging. I mean, probably through the pants, but. Hmm. Huh. Huh. You know, for a long time, uh, I was because of my very special things, I was very attracted to the uh, weirdly the disturbing, sexy Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. Because I think that's what you're supposed to do, even though she yeah. seemed really uncomfortable in her role yeah. as like fake slutty girl. Of course, I was attracted to her. But in retrospect, I got to say, the... the, 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 the what, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you should show your vitalis. Olivia Newton-John in those spandex pants is a little too bony, I have to say. Huh. She's a little bony. She's a little, like, boy-hipped. Yeah. What about the, what about the, I don't, I don't want to, I really don't want to know what your special thing is, but what about the physical video? When that would uh, come on, boy, that was. That transitioned into, like, I had a very, I had a very complicated relationship with leg warmers and headbands. <laughs> Because leg warmers and headbands basically were the they were the bound they, those were the boundary fences of my whole young uh, sex life. Right there was there was there was a, a headband here and there were leg warmers there and everything in between was like how, how do you get there? It's like a pubescent DMZ. Yeah, how do you? Well, first yeah. of all, how do you get the pants off with their leg warmers guarding the approach? And uh, and the, I don't know what the headband is for. 
Yeah, but like by by that you know that that kicked up. You got John McEnroe and uh, Bjorn Borg with the headbands. I think they they really kind of kicked that off. Olivia definitely carried that forward, and then Flashdance just blew that wide open. Don't you think? Yeah, but I, I Flash. I wasn't into Flashdance. I I have a confession to make. Yeah. This is one of those weird things that when I look back at it, I cannot know. I cannot. I cannot put myself fully in my thirteen-year-old mind because when I was thirteen. I could not think of a more beautiful woman than Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then later, 15 years later, when I, in the fullness of time, had come to recognize that Jamie Lee Curtis was kind of repulsive, mm-hmm. I, well, I tried to get I think back, she's a hermaphrodite, and I hope that didn't color your opinion. That would be gender, you know norm- that is, gender that's, normative. That's, that's that's one of those things like that they pumped a gallon of semen out of Rod Stewart. I don't believe that because it is he ate uh, bubble yum with spider eggs. <laughs> but uh, he ate, he ate pop rocks and then drank a coke <laughs> and it turned into a gallon of semen. And that's why they charged him ten thousand dollars for the cookie recipe. But I honestly, my my whole idea of like the foxiest girl in the world was Jamie Lee Curtis in Trading Places. Oh God. And now I cannot, I cannot get there. Not, I can not at all. You 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 can't that. You don't have access to that at all. I mean, Jill St. John. Mm. There's there was never any question. I can always go look at Jill St. John, and I can find exactly what it was that I was thinking the first time I saw Jill St. John. But um, but Jamie Lee, it's just it's not the same. It's not the same for me. And but like. You wouldn't be so vacuous as to say it was just because you saw her boobies for a second in that movie. No, 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 no. Before, long before I saw her boobies, right? Because she, would... she'd been in, you know, what uh, Halloween and was she? Yeah, I, I think she was in. It. Well, no, but I'm just saying, like, I think she was in Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, anyway, she had... she'd been in all these slasher films that were really popular. Those are two like canonical slasher films. The point being that like her face was everywhere for teenage boys, like Fangoria staring out at you. You know what I mean? Like she was well, a, a staple she... of our youth. Yeah, she had that boyish haircut. She had the oh, she I, I the, like John. I like boyish. I, bubble I, gum snapping. I really like boyish. But now, now, as a, a proper as as it probably should have been, Anne Margaret in Tommy. Oh God, is, is is actually is actually the peak. Is actually the you know she is the er. Do 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 you enjoy icon. the appearance of a more womanly woman these days? Do I enjoy the appearance? Of a more womanly woman. I don't want to talk about this at all, but if we're going to talk about this, let, let, let's make it a continuum. I'm just <laughs> making this up. I, I'm still kind of digesting dinner. But <laughs> if we, you have a continuum that goes somewhere between Audrey Hepburn and Marilyn Monroe. Right. Do, is that a fair one? Like, because on well, the one okay. hand, yeah. I mean, that is a cultural reference that is literally 50, 60 years old. Yes. Right? And. <laughs> That's so good. It established like it's a certain so standard. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, I can find many. I can find, you know, I, I, no, I, I can I, do I, a more modern say... one. What about uh, uh, Carly Rae Jepsen and, say, Ben Gibbard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what a Carly Rae Jepsen is. I keep seeing <laughs> that name. And you I keep, you and mentioned I... that, and I Googled it, and I started playing her hit song for my daughter, and now she loves it. Oh, my she God. She wants the whole album. I feel like a Carly Rae Jepsen when I when I hear that I name. I hate her name. When I hear that I name, I think name. I picture Punky Brewster. Oh or, yeah, it kind of sounds you know, the same. Yeah, yeah. I, I picture somebody that's like was that's that Salil like Moon Fry that played her nine years old. Yeah, 
I don't know, but I did learn the other day that the that the woman who plays the uh, the blonde uh, uh, narcissist on Thirty Rock. Oh yeah, 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 Jenna. You know who she is. Jenna was the girl with the side ponytail in National Lampoon's Vacation. My friend Michael, who you've met, went on a date with her a couple months after that. What? Yeah, she lived in New Jersey, where he lived, and they they went to a carnival together. And she was already a movie star. Well, you know, it was vacation. You know. Yeah, one of the great films of the last 40 years. Can I help you with that, Eddie? Please? <laughs> <laughs> Hamburger Helper? <laughs> Real tomato ketchup? <laughs> Nothing but the best, Clark. I've never seen it. <laughs> Sorry, oh, folks, sorry, the park's park, closed. Park closed. <laughs> the moose out front should have told you. Oh, come on. Really? <laughs> wow. No. You know, this is the beauty of, of having uh, cable. Basic yeah. Cable Plus, Showtime and HBO, is there are so many – I'm coming back to something here – is that there's so many movies that I have seen. I, I saw Stripes six yeah. times in a month and a half. And at that age, when I had retention, I mean, I, there's still lines to this day that are, you know, lighten up, Francis. Like, there's still lines from that movie that are just, you know, just, just implanted on my brain. Kids a little younger than us had, like, a VHS player to watch their favorite movie over and over. But do you know what I mean? Like, for me, like – uh, sitting in the dark when I'm not supposed to be watching TV, like watching Escape from New York and Alien, like made such an impression on me. Oh my God, me too. And in spite of that fact, I st- I could not, even the first time through, could not stand the movie Porky's. It was so dumb. It's pretty overrated. I was just watching it to see the the shower scene. The shower scenes. scene, yeah. But, uh, even then, even at the at the impressionable age when I was the target audience for that film, it was too dumb, too dumb to believe. It's not a but, well-made movie. No, I think it was done but, in Canada. Like you, well, so you see that figures. Yeah, enough said. But like you say, uh, I watched uh, Stripes and Escape from New York and National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh God! I would watch them over and over and over and over and over. Well, you remember? I mean, <clears throat> until recently, you would still get this in hotel rooms where you get that little booklet. Like a little bigger than like a three by five card, that little like shiny booklet with all like what's on HBO at what times. I think you still get that in hotel rooms. It's just that you ha- you, you don't touch no it, longer, just never touch you, it. Yeah, you no longer touch anything in your <laughs> hotel room. So it's still there if you were willing to put your hands on the, the knob. The spine the, is bent to oh, Cinemax after dark. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I was in a hotel not very long ago, and uh, and I was, uh, you know, I of course I put my remote in a plastic bag. <laughs> that you do, <laughs> and then I'm sitting and I'm scrolling through, and I was like you know what maybe i'm gonna I, i've been through the channels 15 times there's nothing on except like yeah e entertainment television dubbed into german Jesus Christ. and so i'm gonna maybe i'll go watch a first run movie so i go over and i'm scrolling through the the ads for the first run movies and i'm like oh this is garbage too and then i think maybe i'll watch an adult movie like so will I, you pay for it yeah so yeah. i go over to the adult movie uh menu menu <laughs> And I'm scrolling through, and it's all the same stuff. It's just like, oh, yeah, cheerleaders, babysitters. Scroll, scroll, scroll. And then I realize these fucking things are $25. Yeah. $25 to watch an adult movie in the privacy of your hotel room. And they're, not that, like, they're not that good. $25? Yeah. $25, I could go down I could go down to the nearest McDonald's. Well, plus a 20% uh, service charge. And I could meet, I could meet a couple of... I could meet a couple of girls, right? For twenty five bucks, buy them both their dinner. <laughs> oh, God. Sitting up in a motel, pay twenty five dollars. You know, back in the old days, 
with HBO, you would you could potentially see one of those porn movies where all the good stuff had been edited out. Yes, which was plenty well, for me. Is that right? Oh, you're goodness little, you're, me. You're pretty soft. You're pretty soft. Corner. Well, you know, I've really, I've really gone off the rails in the last 30 years. But back then, sure. I sure, mean, like we, I, me, man, I, I could break a pair of jeans with a ZZ Top video. You know, yeah, those no, were I, the I, salad I, days. When I, was a, when I was a teenager, I mean, I, I would get off looking at, uh, looking at ski wear catalogs. <laughs> I love catalogs. <laughs> you know, like, oh, my God, that, that puffy jacket. <laughs> Is so <laughs> you know puffy jackets are a thing. Now, I only recently okay. re- I did not know this, but puffy jackets are somebody's special thing. Well, you're saying it's a sex thing. It's a sexy thing. Yeah, puffy jackets. Puffy jackets. Yeah, oh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, one time I said, "Why are we talking about this?" I want to say probably about 1982, like right right at the worst conceivable time. <laughs> Somebody. The the this is back of course when the postal service was was useful and and competent. Talking about the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that new song, by the way. You know, <laughs> tell Marilyn. Tell Marilyn Monroe. I like it. They're playing a bunch of shows. Ah, oh, they're so good. I went back to that record. It's so good. Okay, cutting this out. Um, I uh, I don't know how this happened because remember, mail used to be like a real thing. You didn't get other people's mail. Half of our mail at our house is someone else's mail, <laughs> which leads me to believe. You know, by it was a good job. Do you remember, do you remember that movie? You can always get a job at the postal service. What was that? It isn't that blowing your mind. That what? is a pull quote. What is that from? Uh, you know, I'm going to let that sit. I'm going to let that sit. <sighs> I'm not going to search. There's always work at the postal service. They brought somebody else's Victoria's Secret catalog to your house. To our home. I'd never heard of Victoria. I didn't know what her secret was. But all <laughs> I know was this one little pile of shiny paper changed everything because it's we're, you understand we're, we're we're right we're right in the pocket for like the zz top era i i'm pretty sure that i got the first ever victoria's secret catalog <laughs> you got it bagged and boarded you got it all sorry it's a comic term you, you, you keep it somewhere special <laughs> oh bagged and boarded i get that reference yeah it's like uh, the, like the, you did in guantanamo no, I don't have it now, but wait a minute. You're saying that those go back to 83? I don't think that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Victoria's Secret, like, was the thing in malls by the time I was in college. But back then, so, like, you know, like, remember, years later, I, I would acquire, like, a Fredericks of Hollywood, but it was really gross. It was yeah. obviously, like, like trailer park garter belts. By the way, yeah. those guys are great. I don't know if you've heard them. But <laughs> <laughs> now wave. But, uh, it, yeah, but, boy, I just, I, that was a very, very special companion for me. Yeah, the, uh, I knew what was on each page. I mean, I could, early, I could come up with like a running order. The early models in the Victoria's Secret catalog. Oh, this is another. This is part of the Jamie Lee Curtis problem. Yeah, I'm not sure that, if right. I went back. I'm not sure if I went back and looked at an early Victoria's Secret whether it would seem mundane to me at the time. Oh of course, it was like it was a it blazed a trail through the forest of my mind. It was like onanistic manna. It just showed up. There was a. There was a. There, there, there really was a uh, on the back page of like some ski magazine. There was a an advertisement for Obermeyer skiwear. I'm talking now, same same era, eighty two maybe. Mm-hmm. Obermeyer, and the, it was a picture of a girl wearing an Obermeyer ski jacket, and she was so beautiful. And the idea that she was also a skier mm. really made a made a connection with me because the the girls that I knew that were skiers, I mean, most of the people I knew who were skiers were girls because they were at our ski club. 
the uh, the the girls team was very competitive and a lot of the a lot of the girls that i was in love with as a teenager were these these really mean mean rich ski girls mm. that i Puff, couldn't puffy jackets puffy jackets and they always had every season they had brand new skis and brand new poles mm-hmm. and brand new ski pants and i was kind of like i was already <laughs> sort of you know, schlumping my way through, trying to get by on some three-year-old, three, three-year-old, you know, spider ski jacket with a flight suit underneath it. <laughs> and and um, anyway, this Obermeyer ski girl, she looked out of the back page of this ski magazine at me with laser beam eyes. And it was the type of thing where I, I seriously kept that ski magazine like under my bed so that I could just... And I wasn't even, it's not like I was jacking off or anything. I would just take it out. I would take the magazine out and I would just stare at this picture. That's of very this tender, John. For hours at a time. And I don't even think I was imagining scenarios with her. It's not like I was saying, and then we went to Zermatt and we were skiing on the piste. Like I was just looking <laughs> at her. I was just looking at her face for hours at a time, wondering what it was, wondering, you know. Even then you were working at a pretty high level. Well, well, I was wondering high level if, stuff, we were, John. if we were ever going to meet in a train station somewhere. Oh, God. Like, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I could go back and you know if I found that picture of that girl. Whether she she was now she would probably look like a teenage girl because that's what she was. But no, you you shouldn't. You should let that be special. Going to leave that memory. Alone. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's uh, yeah. You, you don't want to revisit that. I mean, look what what look what happened with Jamie Lee Curtis. She's still a handsome woman. Yeah, that's true. But that's true. it's not your special thing. Not not so special anymore. I wish I could have kept her in trading places. Mm. Once again, trading places, it comes up. There's always work at the post office. Hollywood Shuffle. Is that right. the Robert Townsend movie? Yes. Remember? Remember the impact that film had? I do, Hollywood but Shuffle? I don't think I ever actually saw it. What? Really? Seriously? Yeah. It was a good movie. It was around the time I was in college, so I had a pretty uneven... I had very uneven exposure to things. There were some things that I was way, way, way overexposed to, and then other things, like people talk about Star, Star Trek New Generation, and yeah. you know, as you know, I'm not like a big Star Trek fan, so yeah. I didn't make the time to seek it out, and I didn't have a, I didn't have a TV. So you know what I mean? Like I, I, it was <laughs> there's so many things from that time that you know, it's just I, I, I have this like black hole in my memory for those things. I should have seen it though, probably. Now he financed that on his uh, credit cards. I know it was like a, it was like a, uh, it was a touchstone. It was a touchstone. It was a, it was an earth shatterer, a breaker. What's he doing new, now? You think he's working for the post office? What? I don't know. Probably. What are any of us doing now? <laughs> That's a good point. I watched speaking of, but uh, the, the, my point being that uh, one of those movies was alien. I mentioned this on another program recently, but uh, Sigourney Weaver in alien that very, very, and it just, I, again, sorry to repeat myself, but beginning to end an outstanding movie. I watched it like three nights ago. It's still so good yeah. but then like boy you see her in her underwear and uh she was right in my wheelhouse is that right oh yes oh that's true you you do have a sigourney weaver well and like another program we're watching now with that uh that girl from felicity uh mm-hmm. she plays a russian spy on this uh, tv show we watch now and she's just right in the pocket yeah, I, I don't have anything against uh, you know girls who look like women, but uh, but 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 I, I think I think I do like a like a boyish, pixie-ish something. 
Yeah. I've had, I've had, I've had Zoftig, uh, ladies. Uh, but Sigourney Weaver was never, I, I, I yeah. never, was never my <clears throat> She's, she's hard. She's hard. That's right. She's yeah. hard. Without, without being Hebraic. She's hard and, and unhebraic. What's a canonical celebrity Hebraic for you? Like when you think about when you think about what you're looking for, assuming that you know she could get uh, the right you know haircut and some co- combat boots. Like what? Give me a sense of uh, if you if I if I were in the in the uh, police station and we had to draw a composite sketch of your oh, ideal well, Jewess. Do you have a I rough can, sense of how you? Put I can that tell together? you exactly, and it happened, and it and it actually you you wouldn't have to go you wouldn't have to go far from a police station because the archetype is no jennifer gray in ferris bueller's day off (laughs) you've got to be kidding me no are you kidding me she's the hottest of the hottest i I, I love sloan jennifer gray in the police station (sighs) with charlie sheen with charlie sheen and he is flirting with her drugs and she is not having it but then she like (laughs) <laughs> but then she 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 starts to melt. Oh my God, Jennifer Grey! And then you know, of course, when Jennifer Grey appeared in Dirty Dancing, a movie I have never seen. I never seen it all the way through. But, I saw the uh, end but, of it because I like Jerry Orbach. Well, I didn't even know he was in it. But a movie I've never seen, but I have watched the highlight reel of mm-hmm. her dancing a few times because Jennifer Grey. Jennifer Grey. Jennifer Grey pre nose job, mm. super foxy. Jennifer Grey post nose job, one of those amazing situations. She had a she had a she had a nose job, and it is like she disappeared from the earth. She she, she became, she's up there for me. In uh, there's this weird Venn diagram of people who had like unimpeachably successful cosmetic surgery. Uh, and I'm not saying she looked better or worse, but she looked, I mean, she didn't look like she'd had plastic surgery if you hadn't no, met her before. It was a great job. But I've never, I don't think I've seen many people with successful plastic surgery that looked more different and all they changed was her nose. Yeah. She was, she really, I mean, seriously, when, when that happened and people showed me those photos, I'm like, there's, there's no way. There's yeah. no way that's the girl from Ferris Bueller. Yeah, do you, yeah, I mean, you, do you remember she, she, her whole face looked completely different. Yeah. She got a really great, super high quality, expensive professional nose job. And she became the plainest looking, albeit very pretty girl. She, she looked like the but, prettiest girl in like uh like the traffic uh, traffic class. Like if you went and had to like uh, work off a ticket by going to traffic school, she would and there be the was prettiest this girl, girl across the room, and you'd be like, "Oh, she's pretty. Like, Maybe wow, I should, she's she knows how to speed." I'll but, try and sit by her, but yeah. but not that she's a movie star anymore. And I don't. I don't think want to she impugn, ever I just want to be clear. I'm not again. trying to impugn Jennifer Grey either way. I have never yeah. met the woman, but but I think you she's know, a, a nice lady. You know, it's a lot like indie rock. P- people are always stampeding to get rid of the thing they still haven't realized makes them special. Yeah. You, you, people can't wait to get to the middle of the curve, at least yeah. in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, you can't wait for people can't wait for to find somebody who will shave all of the edges that made them interesting. That's uh, why I religiously don't exercise. <sighs> I, had the same, I, I had the same conversation today. If I got to be super fit. I think I would lose a big part of what makes me so cuddly and lovable. Oh, John, in so many ways. Yeah. I mean, just think about how much time you would lose over your brooding and your steaming yeah. and yeah, your yeah, yeah. organizing. You do a lot of organizing and moving around, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you, well, spend, if you spend three hours a day at the gym, that, that's just going to all go to shit. Here's the thing about super fit guys that I don't quite understand. Why do they look so clammy 
Like moist. You know what I mean? Like super fit guys, all, it's, it, you can towel them a thousand times and never wipe the sweat all the way off. Oh, right? they, they, seem they like have like some kind of, of sheen. Yeah, they seem clammy and like covered with a kind of sh- like greasy moisture, but, but, it's, but they're dry. Like they look like that even in a tuxedo. Maybe it's endorphins. Endorphins make you look make your skin look greasy. I'm not a scientist, John. All right, you're right. Well, see, that's what I don't want. I don't want no. the natural sort of uh, flat coloring, the natural right. dryness of my skin, and I mean appealing <laughs> dryness, not dry, flaky, but like appealing lack right. of greasy moisture on my skin. I don't want to sacrifice that. You've got just that kind of whitish sweater weather look. Yeah, right? I like, look like somebody whose whose cheeks are a little pink. From it's hard to tell whether it's a cold wind or uh, the Jim exertion <laughs> the, exer- the exertion of walking up a flight of stairs. <clears throat> yeah, but I don't want to. I don't want to trade that in for some kind of like uh, like Vaseline layer between me and the world. Now, that, do you think that is, that, is, that, is that one of those body uh, dysphagia, dysphoria, one of those body things like the Michael Jackson Smurfia. disease, where they think that looks good? They must. Now, not they that they must. have any control over it. Right, but I mean, maybe maybe they think that's maybe something's happened to their chemistry, and they got that Karen Carpenter thing, and they think that looking moist looks good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Well, I think what happens is their skin becomes translucent because, like, slightly translucent because the pigment that used to be that used to make their skin like look solid mm-hmm. was redirected <laughs> uh, somewhere to like. <laughs> to you replace know. the necessary fats that they're burning yeah, off. Yeah, or like uh, like as their balls shrank up into their body, oh, the pigment from their skin went has to go down and fill them back up enough that, you know, that it, they don't create like a like a an, an impaction. I can't believe you never went to medical school. It's it's no. astonishing because it, no. I had coffee I'm, with a guy this morning uh, that I mostly just know from you know internet stuff. He's a really nice guy, but with with just complete lack of irony, he asked me what kind of workout I do. Well, do you even lift? <laughs> do I lift? Well, <laughs> I, I walk around the corner to my office, and sometimes then I walk home, and that's uphill. Uh, uh, yeah, and that's, that I mean, a, that's a city block. That's not, that's yeah. not a small block. Right. Even up the hill, it's a hell of a workout. That's a, that's a long walk. You, you gotta, you gotta blast the pecs or something. You know, my favorite eighties television personality. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you were in college at this time. I don't know if. No, no, I, I'm sure I can phonetically follow along. But it was Kevin Seal. Oh, sure. The, like, he always seems stoned on MTV, right? MTV. He, he didn't do 120 minutes. What did he do? He did. He did 120 minutes. He did, he did Headbangers Ball for a while. But he was MTV's, like, fun, stoned, slacker VJ. The first one that wasn't, the first one that wasn't, like, some, uh, some radio DJ that they right. plucked and made into a VJ. He really he was, seemed not like a pro. Yeah, he was a guy that they did a talent search, and he showed up, and he was like, hey, what's up, guys? And they said, for whatever reason, this guy with the super stoned eyes is our new VJ. And when he appeared on the MTV TV, when he appeared on the screen the first time, I was sitting in front of the, you know, sitting in my lounge, my Barco lounger, (laughs) completely baked, uh, (laughs) drinking a Schmidt beer and this guy shows up on the screen and it's like, I'm looking into a mirror. Here's the guy that got the job that I wanted. And yet I couldn't hate him because he was so amazing. It'd be like hating yourself. 
It would be, It'd be it like hating the successful version of yourself. Literally like hating myself. And I watched, I mean, I, it got to the point where I had no interest in watching MTV unless Kevin Seal was on. And then I would just sit and laugh and laugh and laugh at my good friend. <laughs> I, had a, I had such a different reaction. Really? I, I mean, I didn't dislike him, but like he, he always seemed a little affected to me. Yeah, right. Affected because he was baked. You think and he, he was, was really legitimately baked? At him. Really? I'm pretty sure he was pretty baked. I was baked, and he seemed legit. And you he know, seemed- when you're when you're really baked, you can tell when somebody else is baked. They call it baked dar. Baked dar. Baked. <laughs> yeah. I love so that I was, show. I was I just love sitting there. I was just rolling on the floor. Everything, everything <laughs> out of this guy's mouth. One time he comes on and he says, he says, you know, Eddie Van Halen and Valerie Bertinelli. Um, you know, they've been married for like ten years already, and I'm trying to imagine what they talk about. And I just, I just picture them at home, just going like, and he starts doing the hand puppets of Valerie Bertinelli and Eddie Van Halen, like coo coo cooing at each other. And I, I, I actually peed. <laughs> and it was, and it might have been because I was incredibly baked. Yeah, I think that. But he was, he was speaking a certain kind of truth to you. He was speaking, he was speaking truth to power. And, you know, and he was cracking himself up. I wouldn't be surprised if he peed a little. That was the heyday of television for me. Yeah. We can never go back to that. Now, see, now we're back. And I'm in a, back in a warm pool of nostalgia. Yeah. You're, you remember when nostalgia really meant something. Yeah. 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 So, so nothing for Jamie Lee Curtis. She writes, we, she writes children's books now. We've got one of her children's books. I feel like there's there's something has been lost and it, and it happened in me. It's not anything. It's not anything to do with Jamie Lee. Fish mm. called Wanda. Still very very oh, very. Attractive. I should watch that. Is it still good? Girl, I, well, I imagine it is good. You know the 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 drama that John Cleese brings to the proceedings, Ugh. the seriousness of his character. I think is the tent pole that holds the whole thing up. Everybody else is doing broad farce, but he. Cleese is bringing real pathos. I think Kevin Klein's pretty great in that. He's amazing, but it's not a subtle role. No, no, no. It's very broad. It's very broad. Yeah. Well, John Cleese, I, he's such an interesting character in general. And, you know, he's become, well, over the years, I mean, he's, I feel a certain resonance with him because he's made his own career out of being broken in public mm-hmm. in some ways. You know what I mean? I really admire the fact that he's, you know, he, he's, he's, I mean, Part of what he brought to Monty Python was all of this ridiculous rage. He had, he brought so much rage, yeah. you know, but very smart rage. But uh, and then by the time you get to Faulty Towers, it's the time. I mean, you know, I, I guess I guess he went through a lot of stuff and he got into therapy and stuff, and now he's kind of a big thinker about this stuff. But mm. you know, there's there's something really resonant about his character in that movie. You know, he's yeah. just it's weird to be such a combination of like angry and you know fawning. Cleese is one of those people that that I feel like you know he's kind of like Pete Townsend in the in the sense that the first time I ever laid eyes on him before he ever did a comedy like the when he arrived on the screen the first time I ever saw him he was the star of the show to me and I loved him you know like the first time I ever saw Pete Townsend before I ever saw him do anything he was the star of the photograph and I knew that I loved him. 
And there are those people in the world where you just, you see them and you know that they, that they are the one you love and you will kind of follow them anywhere. Like why would John Cleese in a cast of geniuses like, like Python, why is Cleese the star? And he is, you know, Cleese is the star in a, in a democracy of, of geniuses. Um, and it's because he has this, like, this supernatural power. I remember when I was a little kid, my dad started a college in Alaska. What? He started a college for native guys, uh, like Eskimo guys, who were at the time kind of being underserved by the University of Alaska. And my dad started this this kind of teaching. It was like a like a teacher's college called the Pacific Rim. Not university, but like it was called Pacific Rim. And it was a he rented classrooms at Alaska Pacific University and he was giving he had he hired teachers. I, I mean, I was like six years old, five years old. I, I barely remember what he was doing, and, I, and now looking back at it, I cannot imagine what he thought he was doing. But he had these classrooms full of guys in uh, that were, you know, they, uh, that was a time in Alaska when a lot of young guys were coming to Anchorage from the villages, and they they were having a hard time coping with city life. And my dad had this idea; he was going to start this school. I remember walking into a classroom one time and there were like 40 guys in there that were all between the ages of like 17 and 24 and they were all native Alaskans and they were in this class and somebody was lecturing them about, you know, how to make, make the transition. I don't remember what the, what the class was about, but I walked in and uh, I was a little, little teeny kid and there was a guy in the middle of the room just sitting in a desk like any one of the 40 guys. And I just went to him. And he was he was just a young guy like any other. And he was kind of like, oh, hey, kid, you know, and, and uh, everybody laughed like the little blonde boy uh, just kind of walked across the room, beelined for this guy. And I stood I stayed with him all day. And my dad was off doing stuff and he didn't know, you know, he was just like, okay, well, I guess you're watching the kid while I go do whatever it is I'm going to go do. You know, I think (laughs) my dad probably left campus and went on a date, but I spent, (laughs) I spent all day, uh, just like glued to this guy. And my sister was with me and she, she, she was there with like the two of us and she was four. The two of us were just glued to this guy. And at the end of the day, when it was time to for time for him to go, like they had to pry us away from him. And it's not that he ever said anything to us. He did not beckon to us. It was just that this guy was, we knew when walking in the room, I still remember the feeling that he was up, that he was a kind of royalty. He was a prince and I wanted to be, I wanted to be with him. I wanted to follow him. And and he was a he was just a dumb teenager. Like his reaction to us was like, <laughs> I don't know what this is all about. Like I don't know what these kids want. 
Hmm. But he was kind to us all day. It's just that we knew that he was somebody special. And I don't know whatever happened to him. But but every once in a while in life, you see these people, these magic people. I think John Cleese is one where... he, you know, he walked onto the set and it was just like the star. Right. You know, and, and I think he's, I think he's borne that out. Right. Yeah. And I mean, uh, hmm, I'm thinking about what you said though, because there's definitely been people like that in my own life where for reasons I, I cannot explain, it was not, it was not sexual. It was not intellectual. It was not familial for, for no reason that I can quite put my finger on, there were certain people that I was just, I was incredibly, I say attracted to, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. magnetized to that. I just want to be around all the time. Yeah. Like I, I want a piece of you. Like I want a piece of whatever your thing is. Yeah. You know, charisma, uh, maybe one way. Something- maybe, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't even remember. I mean, I'm obviously I'm trying to recall something that happened to me when I was five, but I don't remember this guy particularly doing anything. Well, it sounds it's like you just, remember him. You say he's a teenager. It sounds like, you know, it wasn't like he was smooth or anything. No, I mean, he had, he had, it was the early 70s. So he had kind of long black hair right. and he was wearing an army jacket. But, but half the guys in the room met right. that description. It was just that he was, like you say, he was magnetic in some way that at that young age, I had no filter, I had no social filter. That kept me from just saying, oh, well, that's the guy I want to go stand next to. <laughs> and, you know, you think about all the social, I mean, half of, half of growing up is learning to implement social filters that keep you from making that terrible, <laughs> tragic error later in life. <laughs> You're like, walk up to somebody and they're like, can I help you? Oh, um, yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I just wanted to come stand by you. Yeah, I don't really know why, but I'm <laughs> I don't just, know why. Yeah, you know, I'm just gonna be here all day. It's not go sexual. Ahead, go do your thing. It's all right. <laughs> it's not sexual or anything. No, it's just, that's a sexual. You're just ma- magnetic. There's a like there's that? a there's a, a little boy like that at my daughter's school who, I mean, it, it goes beyond a crush. Like his feelings for my daughter are are on like this other level, yeah. and it's it's really weird. Like he always wants to like when we're getting ready to go, he wants to like bring her things and talk about our house. He's, he's an adopted kid from, from China. Who's like just learned English in like the last nine months, like amazingly fast, but he's a fantastic, like smart, swell little kid. And like, he just cannot get enough of my daughter. You know what I mean? But I, I, there's been so many people in my life like that, you know, and you, you, you can't explain it. And you look back and like right now I can hear you almost kind of struggling to dis- if I'm hearing you right, d- struggling to dis- describe what it could possibly have been about this person yeah. that you found so magnetic. Yeah, and and what's 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 astonishing is that it's entirely possible that he went back to his village and got a job pumping gas at the airport, and now he is sixty years old. <laughs> if he's lucky, <laughs> <laughs> if he's lucky, he's sixty years old, and he's he might be sitting on an overturned apple crate watching Rachel Maddow. <laughs> on a on a satellite TV, like <clears throat> it's not necessarily so that anything amazing happened to this guy, right. or that he became like the leader of his people or anything. He could just be a, a guy. No, but he that's had... that's the thing. It, yeah. it isn't like I've met famous people, and it isn't that often that you meet somebody and they really are just a completely incandescent personality. Right. You know, there, there are people like that. Although Barbarino, mm-hmm. Barbarino had that effect, right? The first time Welcome Back Cotter came on, oh, it was obvious. 
and it scanned the camera scanned of the room. You were yeah. like, "Who's the Goomba?" I like, think Ron Palillo and Robert Hedges were, were definitely the superior actors. No question. Yeah. You could tell they came from like a like a Shakespeare background. Yeah, they were actors. Absolutely, hundred percent. Uh-huh. Shakespeare, Shakespeare actors. <laughs> you remember like as that show? You remember as that show dragged on way too long, oh, and yeah. and and then Barbarino left, and they brought in that one guy who was always the replacement guy on TV shows. He'd been on. He was on Happy Days. You know the blonde guy, Skippy or whatever. And well, not, not not the one with the big glasses. Um, the, the little kid that that showed up on Happy Days. <laughs> no, no, uh, no, no, uh, no, no. Scrappy Doo. <laughs> I didn't think you're thinking of Cousin Oliver. <laughs> Oliver, yeah, Cousin who, Oliver. Yeah. Where, where did Cousin Cousin Oliver showed up on Happy Days? Right. Yeah, of course he did. Robbie Wrist. He's where, retired. He's, he's a retired punk rocker now. Where this show set in 1954 suddenly had a kid with a John Denver haircut and <laughs> like Poindexter glasses. All right, let me start over. Um, but uh, I remember there was a very like a very special episode about Horshack. One time, oh, I don't remember what it was. I don't think it was something about Horshack's See, family. Uh, to me, all all very special episodes go through different strokes, but always back to all in the family. So yeah. I, I can't remember if it's like. Uh, menopause or, or rape or race, but it was something, there was something with Pal- Ron Palillo's character. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were, they, ex- they explored his Shakespearean background. <laughs> See, I don't understand. Being so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. <laughs> F- the Fonz is another one, oh, like God, Jamie Lee great. Curtis, where I cannot return in my mind to a time when the Fonz, I cannot, rem- I cannot get back into the headspace where the Fonz was the coolest thing in the universe because I have, I have enough exposure to Henry Winkler and what a, like, like a soft, Oh, like a soft like starting is. with the Michael Keaton movie starting with the night shift. Oh God. Oh, how about this? Do you remember when uh, Diane was on there? What's her name? Uh, Sally Struthers, uh, Johnny Martin. What's her oh, name? Remember that girl? Oh, yeah. Diane. Uh, what's her, what's her, but yes. yeah, she was, she was pretty cute in that movie. <gasps> oh, Again, but, again, small cup, uh, little boy top. But I was, mm. I was stunned. Oh, you know who? You know who's another one of my TV uh, hotties? Marky Post. Oh, come on, Night Court. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote my, one of my very first songs I ever wrote had Marky Post in it. Really? Was yeah, it was a political song. It was, <laughs> it was, it was about the apparent differences between us and the Soviets. Well, your songs have a lot of lyrics in them, and I see this how this is you very could, political, John. It's a very political song. Squeeze Marky Post into there. Was it a kind of a Russians love their children too? No, but, no, no. There was very little yoga or tantrism. It was, but it was a, it was a, you know, not a Dylan ripoff, but it was one of those kind of like you know, simple desultory kind of Paul Simonish yeah. kind of like list songs, you know. Yeah, I do know. Anyway, Marky Post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, no, no. Back to Night Court when, or not Night Court, but uh, uh, what was the movie? Oh, uh, uh, no, not Night, Night Shift. Shift. Night Shift. Yeah, when Night that Shift. movie came out, it was really the first film Henry Winkler was going to do after Radical after Chuck. Ha- Radical. No, he'd been in the one where he was a pro wrestler with a worm farm. What was that called? The World's Biggest Loser. What was that one movie? You remember that one? His big Oops. like. F- well, of course, Lords of Flatbush. So, as you know, Lords <laughs> of Flatbush in 1974 with him <laughs> and Sylvester. <laughs> Sir, uh, no, he was in Lords of Flatbush. Remember, I still remember the TV ad. The Lords of Flatbush, 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 Flatbush. Rated PG. God, I'm cutting all this out. Lords square of pegs, Square pegs, square, square <laughs> pegs. That was a good show, boy. Now, now, boy, though, she had she had a serious, proportionally giant nose at that time. Do she did. That? 
I, I thought I, she was totally cute. I found her very attractive. Pump I can't wave, say totally the same different, now. Totally different head. Loads yeah, of flowers. Totally different. Totally different head. Totally different head. Uh, Henry Winkler. This was 1974, and that's kind of where they came up with the Fonzie character, which, as you know, in season one was going to be this kind of minor character. People right. loved him so much, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but Henry Winkler. Oh God, this is boring. I'm so sorry. Well, you know, uh, uh, well, uh, all this came about. Or my, yeah. my, I, I just recently tweeted a little thing about Pinky Tuscadero. Oh my God. And um, and her sister Leather. Le- leather Tuscadero. Leather and the Swades. Right? Remember that. And what I what I discovered through the miracle of crowdsourcing. Because I was like, whatever happened to Pinky Tuscadero? Now that was a that was a pre runaway. Son, you're Larry King. <laughs> <laughs> Brady's bits. You know who was great? What was the, what's the name? Pinky Let me get the. Tuscadero. Hang on, I'll get it. Give me a minute. What's the name of that? But through the what's, miracle of crowdsourcing, what's that people, gal? people told me the whole story. Which oh is, no! Is she, is she paralyzed? No. <laughs> No. Is it an other Why side is of the mountain? Go to. Oh no, know. is she paralyzed? I thought it was an other side of the mountain thing. Like she got in the Malachi Crunch and now she's in a chair. No, it was a it was a situation where they loved the the audience response was so positive to Pinky Tuscadero that they 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 uh, were going to make her a major character in the next season, and all the promo ads in the off season. For the, the upcoming season of Happy Days, they were really selling Pinky Tuscadero. Like no she kidding. was in all the ads and she was going to be a big part of the show. She wanted more money. No, it turned out nobody liked her. I, Henry Winkler couldn't stand oh, her. Oh, the cast couldn't get along with her. The cast and the director, she was like, she was, she was hard to get along with. Oh. And so they wrote her out of the show. And apparently, uh, very recently, she like got, she got sent to, sent to jail because she, she fired a shotgun into her, neighbors she I, I guess she her neighbor's car alarm was going off she and probably she, has her reasons she fired a shotgun she she, she shot her neighbor's car i'm picky tuscan i'm picky does fucking darrow no see the poor thing now that's our file card on her like that was a thing she did for a few months in the 70s yeah but but that's that's but what don't she's you, but don't you feel lucky that there was that there was no youtube then i mean yeah. like that 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 poor lady she she got lucky enough gary marshall like said hey put this lady on the show let's bring her in yeah and and now she's Pinky Tuscadero. Well, but 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 the thing that really resonated with me was that at that stage in her life, she how old was she? She must have been twenty three. Mm, yeah, she gets she gets cast in the role of the tough girl in the in the pink satin jacket on the number one TV show in the country. And for whatever reason, either she's a little crazy or she doesn't understand how the world works. And I've seen this happen a million times. She doesn't understand how the world works, and she acts bigger than her actual station you know she i'm sure she was she was being lame around the cast and she didn't realize that she wasn't a big star yet and that it was not appropriate for her to be a jerk and she blew it and she got written out of the show right and then forever after she's a footnote and <sighs> You know, and you think about like this person at 23 years old making what at, I mean, I can, I can put myself back in my 23 year old mind and recall a time when I thought that success meant that I would be able to be a jerk to people and no one could be mad at me because I was successful. Like I legitimately suffered through a long period of feeling like the, the reason to get successful was (laughs) that then you would not have to be nice. (laughs) That that right. was that was the only appeal. It was not money. It was not be nice it, to him on the way up because you're going to meet him again when you're on the way down. 
Yeah, and I would I would hear those uh, people would say things like that to me, and I'd be like, "That's just because you're not you. you're not famous enough yet." Yeah, you don't know. Marlon Brando didn't have to be nice to anybody, right? Well, you know, it's not like Robert De Niro has to be nice to anybody. Bananas. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, De Niro is nice to people, although God knows why. I, I think he's he's a little goofy, probably. Okay, but anyway, and it was it was only it was only after many many years of not being successful that I realized that I needed to learn to be nice to people. Just out that's, of isn't that kind of a recent thing for you? That's a fairly recent thing for you, isn't it? Well, last ten years, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was thirty years old and still mm-hmm. not entirely convinced that I needed to be nice to people. You weren't that nice when I met you. Well, you've, you've I, evolved. You know, I, was, no, I, was I have no role in this. Who met me? <sighs> Pinky Tuscadero is sixty nine now. She's sixty nine years old. I'm... So how old was she in 1975? I can't do the math. Me neither. Uh, she's born in 43, 30. so she would have been 32, something like that. I, I see, see. A, a picture on her. I'm sorry. I did, I did look at Wikipedia. A uh, picture of her with uh, Henry Winkler in 1976. But I'm sorry. You might have heard me make a little noise a couple minutes ago. <clears throat> Let me see if I can find this. Um, on October 27, 2000, she was sentenced to 120 days in jail after pleading no contest to charges stemming from an August 20, 2000 arrest for hitting a man with her cane. <laughs> Pinky Tuscadero. That's Hit, hitting a man with her cane. I wonder if it's a sword cane. <laughs> Listen, if anybody's listening to this program and you want to get me a gift, sword cane. Um Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah, I worry about these things. I worry about them too. I worry about I, all of these things, John. I, I was thinking I was thinking I was thinking of an event not that long ago. Where I was mean to somebody, and I was like, I was mean to somebody. I'm still being mean to people. That how how have I not how have I not? Oh, John, everybody's mean. mean sometimes. I guess. Don't you think? Well, but it, you're I'm not you're trying, not made of stone. You have bad days. I suppose. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to stop being mean. You know, Me one too. of the things I'm trying that, so hard. Uh, one of the things I've learned from Jonathan Colton, who is never mean to anybody, because well, he's a pussy. Well, see, that's the problem. Don't you think a little I, bit? Well, no, in a good way. In, in I, have like accu- a, I have accused him of being a pussy, mm-hmm. and you know what he says? He's like, mm, "Yeah, maybe." Mm, <laughs> I'm like, "That's the pussiest thing." I, uh, uh, well, how can you sit here and take this? And he's like, oh, "I don't know. Mm-hmm. Don't care." I'll be, you know, and, me, I'll be in my bunk. Yeah, but but uh, but everybody loves him, and and, uh, he's, and a, people... he's a genuinely nice and thoughtful guy. Yeah, not, and, not thoughtful as in like he gives you him. greeting cards, but he thinks a lot. He does think a lot. When you and ask him a question, he very rarely, unless he's trying to to like make a joke, Jonathan will never, of his own accord, just shoot out an answer to be fast. He yeah. will almost always kind of make a face and look up at the sky and think. Yeah, it's true. I really admire that. But you know, he talk about somebody who has who has formed a cult around himself. Yeah, which I have to say is not my goal. That is not my end goal. That is not why I'm saying this. Please. But he has really You formed... would love to have a cult around no, you. No, 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 no. The, the people that terrify me the most are the ones that agree with me. How about if I'm... you could have a cult? I'm sorry to derail you, but if you could have a cult where you got to handpick who was in your cult. Mm. What if you got to vet them? Because the problem with the cult is you don't get to pick, right? This is the problem with the mob. You know what I mean? The mob becomes this one mob thing. mind. But if you, if, you had, if you got like five minutes with somebody to decide if they could be in your cult, I, I am I am embarrassed to say that one of my long-standing fantasies, and this goes all the way back to seventh grade, mm-hmm. when I should have been a part of a Forest Service trail-building program, <laughs> but instead was at Wendler Junior High School in Anchorage, Alaska, and forced to sit in a room with a bunch of other like 
pimply faced shit birds. <laughs> all of us with just raging wishing you bones. could go back to your bedroom and fantasize yeah. about yeah, World we, War One. We all had we all had ten hour boners, <laughs> and we're sitting in this classroom being taught algebra. And it was during this point in time that I developed the technology of imagining that I could stop time. <laughs> Because I was I was sitting in algebra class and I had three conflicting desires, all of them, and I remember thinking about this long and in a detailed fashion at the time. I had three desires and they were all equal. I could not prioritize one desire over the other. And the three desires were, A, that I wanted to go to sleep. I wanted to go back to sleep because I was very, very tired and <laughs> had been forced to get up in the morning. This is, just so we're clear, this is, this is not ranked. You're just starting randomly. This is, these one, are the three. one of them, one of any of them was you wanted to go to sleep. I wanted to go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. I did not want to get up in the morning. I did not want to go to school. I was forced to do these things. And now I'm sitting in school and I just want to go back to sleep. So that is desire one. And if I could stop time, the first thing I would do is go to sleep. Time would be stopped. So there would be no penalty. That is so practical. I would sleep yeah. until I was done sleeping, and then I would wake up, and I, w- and I would have lost nothing. The second thing, the second thing I wanted was to see naked girls. And if I could stop time, <laughs> I would first go to sleep, and then, this was my plan in seventh grade, I would go through the whole school... Everybody would be frozen, and I would move. I, I think with a dolly. <laughs> I'm not sure. I would move all the pretty girls that I wanted to see naked. I would move them all to the gym, and then I would, then I would take off their clothes and I would see them naked. And, and time. Time is still frozen. At time this is point. frozen. Okay. So I would have time to put their clothes back on and <clears throat> deliver them back to their classrooms with the, via dolly or whatever method. I mean, let, let's be honest, though. I mean, this might this might take four or five days take, for could, the could round take trip, right? Time, to get them all the way back and like with the pencil in their hand and everything. Time was stopped. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this was a long time before it had occurred to me that I would ever actually have sex. I had no interest in. I did not understand. How I, well, I certainly you couldn't have sex with somebody without their consent, so that was off the table. I just wanted to see them without their clothes on. It was a simple. It was a simple matter. That doesn't seem that complicated. It wouldn't. It wasn't that complicated. And if I and if I could go back in time and talk to myself, then I would say, "Hey, listen. There's a better way to do this than stopping time and moving them all to the gym. It'll t- <laughs> it may take you a couple of tries." I can't wait to hear number three. <laughs> number three. Was that I? W- I wanted chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> In no particular order. All all three desires were equal. But I. But after I had slept and I had seen all these girls naked, uh huh. Then I could eat. I could find and eat. As many chocolate chip cookies as I wanted. Time has stopped. Nobody's going to stop you. Time has stopped. And then I would start time again and no one, <laughs> no one would notice. The girls might feel like, why are my panties on backwards? I was going to say, 
where's all the where's all the cookies and why are my leg warmers <laughs> on wrong? And somewhere somewhere in the town there would be some like like large woman in a chef's hat that was like, What? Where'd all the cookies go? <laughs> why does John Roderick look so rested? But but that was how that was how I was gonna use the most powerful power of all. You should have been you should have been building trail, really. I had no business being in that. If you school, had been really just, worn out by the end of the day, yeah. you know, you might you might have you might have had that dream, but you wouldn't have remembered it because you would have treasured. You know what? You're going to get good sleep when you cut trail. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. You won't well, be able to do it when you want. My other daydream in that same era was that the Russians invaded, and that all of a sudden we looked out of their classrooms and the and the the gym was full of like paratroopers. Hmm. A la Red Dawn. Although <laughs> it's this, pretty close to Red Dawn. Although this fantasy was a long time before Red Dawn. I, I had, dreamed that I, I would had... be a welder who danced. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had I had presaged the I had previsioned the Oh, the Red that was Dawn that was scenario. your IP. That was that you came yeah. up with that. Because we were in Alaska. We, the Russians were like Well, it was the Cold War. Here they came. You were right and, there. You you guys were the front yard of America. That's right. And I imagined that the yard was full of paratroopers and that all the kids got up and started screaming and we all ran again to the gym because that's where you went. And in my fantasy, I was put in charge because I was in the Civil Air Patrol. You had the training. And, and I had the training. You'd, you'd help like direct parking at like no, scouting events no, 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 and stuff no, like that. That. I, would, that I would, you know, that I would, I would form the students into, into troops we would do a very. It would be a very brief training session because the Russians would be in the parking lot, but we would mount a defense. But you would you would have time to give them basic, if you like, marching orders, and then give them the appropriate amount of encouragement and direction so that they could go and, and fight back the the Reds, right? Efficiently. But you would you would know you would know in that moment other people are losing their heads, but you right. would have the focus to know how to bring those troops together, even those 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 young scrappy unseasoned troops. Yeah, I had the training, and also, most of the time, I was wearing a flight suit under my clothes. <laughs> and here you're, we you're are. Like a, you're like a kind of Spider-Man. Here we are you're 30 always years ready, later. Always ready. And, and uh, you know, and I, I, feel like, I feel like by hook or by crook, the long way around, now, Merlin, you and I are, are, we're actually in a position where we have a high school gym full of confused students, <sighs> and... We have the opportunity in a few brief moments every week to form them into hardened shock troops to defend not against Russian paratroopers, but against snorks. <laughs> what? Is that the candy? Normals. Oh, God, you, you've been preparing your whole life for this moment. There's so <laughs> many scenarios that you have gone through in your head. You know, I'm sitting around looking at garter belts, and you're figuring out how, how we're going to beat the Russians. Yeah. I really I I feel like a, I've wasted so many fantasies. I just got a text from a friend who is at a, a local auction down in Renton, and his text just says, you missed the guns. Hmm. So Renton's where the, black, where the black people moved, right? Uh, well, among other things, Renton is uh, the town to the south where all was, the... You were suggesting, though, I think that's where a lot of people who got pushed out, like rising prices, they couldn't keep up with the property taxes, they go to Renton. Yes, that's yeah. correct. The, uh, and they, the and they love guns. They love guns. The town that uh, that our town made 
It used to be it used to be a town that had a drugstore hmm. and a hardware store, and now it's just a town. It's just one of those towns guys that do has podcasts like, that sound like John Mellencamp songs. Yeah, and there's there's like a remote there's an RC modeling store Ooh. on Main Street though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if an RC modeling store is on Main Street, yeah. If it opens up at the old mall on the outskirts yeah. of town, that's pretty your town cool. Is dead. But yeah. yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Chocolate chip cookies. That's right up there. And I swear to you, right now, if there was a if there was a naked girl sitting on my couch mm. and a bag of freshly baked chocolate chip cookies, I would still be torn. <laughs> but you've stopped time. You don't you have to what? choose. You know what? Right. I think I I think right now I would probably go to sleep first. <laughs> <laughs> you've really grown. <laughs> <laughs>